We'll be reading tonight from John chapter 1, starting at verse 1. So that's John chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fruitfulness we all have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Praise be. Well, good morning, everyone. Trick question. I wonder how many picked that up. Uh, Good evening, everyone. Welcome. My name is Sean. It is good to be here with you uh, this evening. And we are continuing a series that began this morning, hence the good morning. And we're thinking of... As behind was Songs of Christmas, where we slow down and we think about the many Christmas songs that we sing. We want to slow down and think about what are we actually singing in these songs. We opened earlier with a wonderful song where we come to God as the unfaithful, the weary ones in our weakness. But we also come as the faithful who are joyful and triumphant. I wonder if you can tell what Christmas carol we are looking at tonight. Uh, If you guessed, oh come all you faithful, you're right. Here we're going to be singing, we'll be thinking about this song uh, where the faithful are to behold the king of angels, to adore him, him who is the God of God, light of light. The one who abhors not the virgin's womb. He who is very God, 
begotten, not created, and word of the Father. What, we, what the song sings about is the very nature of the baby in the manger. And so the question that we have to ask them, well, who is this baby? What do all these titles mean? Because figuring out the identity of who this baby is is key to this Christmas carol. And to help us, we're going to be looking closely at John 1, verses 1 to 18. So I hope you have your Bibles there. Please keep it with you because I hope to see two things. We'll see who this baby is and why we should adore him. So to begin with, who is this baby? In Australia, there are 967 babies born every day. But none of them have songs written about them, none that I know of. Even Prince Harry and Meghan, when they had their children, I don't think they had songs written about them that we sing about. And so, that's our first point this evening. Who is this baby? And first we're going to see that this baby is the word with God in creating creation. He is God of God. If you have your Bibles there, have a look with me in verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. And so we begin in John's Gospel. What we see is Jesus, not as the baby in the manger, not as the human incarnate man or the prophesied person that would save them. Now the first thing we see is that the word was with God, and he was God. And if you've read the first book of the Bible, Genesis you'll notice a lot of similarities. Where God, in Genesis 1, he created all things. Let me read to you Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then again, we look at John 1 verse 3. It says, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So this baby that we've come to adore... He was there in the beginning of creation. Before all eternity, there's the word with God. And together they created all of creation. You know, typically when you're introducing a character, you have a long backstory about who they are, how they got to be who they are. But that's not the case for what we see for the word, because he was simply with God in the beginning. And we know this word is referring to Jesus because we see it in verse 14 that we read earlier. But you might be wondering, why is it the word? Why is he called the word? What we see is it's richly fulfilling Old Testament backgrounds. Think about when God created the earth into existence. How did he do it? Through the words. But I think most importantly, what we see is that the word conveys the true nature of Of God. As the word, we see that God is not distant. He's not far removed from this world. In fact, He has revealed who He is 
through his spoken word, Jesus. This is the word of God personified, full of grace and truth. That's who Jesus is. All that Jesus says, all that he does, his entire being is the very word of God. And I wonder, is that how you know Jesus? Is that who, how you recognize him? Maybe you see him as the Jew. Maybe you see him as the teacher of the law, a wise teacher, or perhaps just a good man. But what we see here, more fundamental than all of those things, is that the word was with God and was God. John's gospel tells us that creation came through the word. Our very existence and everything around us, all of creation comes from him. And that's exactly why when we sing this Christmas carol, we sing that Jesus is God of God. Because that's exactly who he is. And so I wonder, how might that change the way you listen to God as you read scripture? I mean, if Jesus is more than just a teacher or a good man, then as the word of, as God of God, then surely his words carry great authority. I remember when I was at school, there was always, uh, you might be able to know, there are always one or two teachers that you know that you can joke around with. You can mess around with them. You don't have to take it too seriously. But then there are certain teachers For me, Mr. Green, the principal, when he came to teach the class, you knew that you don't mess around. Your back straightens up. Your ears are pricked, listening intently to every word he says. And with fear and trembling, you respond. Because this guy, you know he has the authority of the school behind him. And how much more are we to listen to the grand words of Scripture from God himself? That's written down for us. How much more the one who has all authority as the maker of everything. Because that's who Jesus is. He is the word with God. Working with God in creation. God of God. And if our existence comes from Jesus, then of course that must mean our life comes from him too. After all, he made us. And that's where John takes us to as we think of the next line of the song. God of God, light of light. So have a look in verse 4 to 5. Wrong button. Is that right? Yes. So verse 4 to 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not Overcome it. You see, just as in God's first act of creation, he called forth light amidst the darkness. And what we see now is Jesus embodying this light as the life of men. The light is what all people need to live. And that's where we pick up light of light. But what does it mean for Jesus to be the light? Well, let's consider, what does light do? Two things. 
the light firstly reveals. When you walk into a dark room, the light helps you to see. My four-year-old daughter, she loves to have pretend tea parties, uh, but sometimes forgets to pack them away. So you can imagine without the light, it's actually a fairly terrifying experience because you never know where that little plastic teacup could be. Before long, it could land in your foot and you'd be rolling around in it. Now, that's why it's so important to have the light. But, you know, this is what Jesus has come to do. Because the world did not know God. They did not know he existed. They were in the dark. But Jesus came into this world. And his light shined before us. And now we have the light of the knowledge. Knowledge of the glory of God through Jesus Christ. This is what's being revealed in the light. But not only does light reveal, secondly, it guides. It tells us where to walk. How about you? But often I find that it is hard to know where I'm going in life. Sometimes it feels like I'm walking about in the dark, Wandering about, struggling to find, feel my way around. But here, what we see in this baby in the manger, we have the light of life. We have here, lying in the manger, our very creator. And it is fitting for us to come to the creator, to be guided by the word of God. And we're going to explore that a little bit later in our chapter on what, what exactly is the light revealing and guiding us to. But this is what the light does. And this is the light that is subsequently confirmed divinely through this John the Baptist. And that's our next point as we consider the divine witness. So here in this verses 6 to 8, we see John the Baptist coming to make straight the way of the Lord, to bear witness about the light. Here is a man that was sent from God. And so if Jesus has come as the light, what John the Baptist does is he moves objects out of the way so that we can see the light. If the light is on, but I'm under a blanket, or if I put a lampshade over it, well, John comes to remove that blanket. That I was hiding from. He comes to remove the lampshade that covers the lights. How does he do that? Well, in the same way that we do. When we bear witness about Jesus. We call people to come out of the blanket. Come out of the darkness and into the light. We call people to remove the lampshade that covers the light. So they can see clearly the light of lights. Indeed, we point people to the voice of Isaiah 40 and we say, here is the glory of God revealed. Here is the word of God that stands forever. Here in Jesus, we behold our God. Does that strike you as amazing? That the word, that God himself would come to us? Even if we've heard this before, this is amazing 
news. How could we be bored of the grand news of God's arrival in the world? This Jesus, the divinely witnessed God of God, light of light. But how does he reveal and guide us as the light? Well, to answer that, we'll turn to why we are to adore him. And that's our second point for this evening. Why should we adore him? Uh, But before we get to those points, when we sing this Christmas carol, I wonder what you understand when it sings, Oh, come let us adore him. I think we kind of use the word a little bit differently, don't we? Take, for example, when I saw my daughter sharing her ice cream with her cousin, I thought, my, that is just adorable. Or when I was scrolling through YouTube and there's multiple dog videos, I think that's adorable. But according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, adoration really means to love or respect someone dearly or even to worship or venerate. So when we sing this song, it's not like we're coming to Jesus in the manger. We're looking at the cute baby and saying, oh, Jesus is so adorable. No, that's not what we're doing. When we see Jesus in the manger, we see the God of God, light of light. We see our creator and we worship him. He is to be adored in the way kings receive adoration from their citizens. That's what we do. And that's very different from wanting the citizens to think that they are adorable. And so, here's why he should be worshipped, revered, adored. Firstly, because he came into the world that rejected him. Now look with me in verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So the light comes into the world that he's created. Here's where we see king of angels born in Bethlehem. But what did they do? They did not know him. Well, what about God's special people? Fair enough that the world doesn't know him. But what about his people, the Israelites? You know, the ones that were saved from slavery. The ones that were given a new land. The ones that were strengthened by God. Loved by God. Cared for by God. What about them? No. They too did not receive him. His own people that God promised himself to. They rejected him with the world. Now all have rejected God. All have rejected their creator. Not only did they fail to perceive his existence. They refused to listen to him. They refused to obey. They refused to trust in the Lord Jesus. The world rejected their creator, and so they too reject God himself. And yet, we find that the word still chose to enter into the world. So all is not lost. 
And so this gives our second reason for adoration to Jesus because we are made believers by God and we are given the right to be children of God. Verse 12 to 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, all have rejected him. But in this pivotal moment, there is a new group of people, a group who received him by believing in Jesus' name. And so they are given the right to become children of God. Our carol calls on the children of God, the disciples of Jesus, for the faithful to come and worship God. Those who have been given a new life as God's children. And it's done by faith. That's what brings them in. It's faith in the word. It's faith and trust in Jesus. And so we are singing as the faithful, not because we are faithful to God. We've already seen that we're not. But notice in verse 13. John says those who receive Jesus, they are born of God. Not of blood or will of the flesh or will of man, but of God. So it's not a natural occurrence that they believe it. It's not something we can choose for ourselves. It's not something our parents or anyone else can choose for us. No. It's only possible because it is God who caused it. He willed us to believe. We couldn't save ourselves. We were in the darkness. God had to step in. He had to transform us completely. And so if you're following the Lord Jesus today, if you're believing in his name, then did you know that's who you are? You've been given a new identity. The world that we were once in, we rejected him. But by faith, we have a new status, a new identity as children of God. I don't know what kind of year 2022 was for you. Perhaps it was a real banger of a year. You had heaps of new exciting changes, new jobs, new roles, new opportunities, a new year. But in the midst of this, I wonder if we put a lampshade over the light. I want to say rejoice in what God has given to you, what he has blessed you with. But we have to beware that we don't make those things the light. Be careful of making the reflections of the light the thing we pursue. We can see us doing that by what we give glory to. What is it the thing that we treasure the most? But maybe this year was perhaps the opposite of that. It wasn't so much of a bang, more of a whimper. Perhaps this year there was a loss of job, of friends, of family. Loss of connections or relationships. Or just plain. Maybe you're glad to see 2022 pass by. Marred by pain or guilt or shame. We might find ourselves underneath a blanket, searching for comfort away from the light. 
But regardless of what this year has been, be assured that our identity is found in Jesus. It is Jesus in whom we give thanks to because it is by faith that we are saved. And we see this more clearly in our third reason, because we have received grace upon grace. Have a look with me in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what we see here is the word becoming flesh. Now, it's not a transition of one state to another, like water to gas. No, no, he continues to be the word of God. But what emerges from the word is flesh, so that he can dwell with us. Just as in the song, lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. That is, uh, he does not hate it. Why? Because he stepped into it willingly. He chose to step into creation for our sake. And here, God's affirming his value of human existence. He's showing his value, his love for his creation. Despite our fallenness, despite our rebellion from him, despite our sin, he does not hate the virgin's womb. No, he loves us so much that he came in human form willingly, out of great love to us. And this is what we receive for those who have believed in Jesus. It is from his fullness that we receive grace upon grace. That, that is, we've received the grace that was given through the law of Moses. We did not deserve that. And yet we see most supremely grace and truth in Jesus. Consider the light illustration again, if you will. If the law, uh, through Moses, provides the path for the light, then what we see in the grace and truth of Jesus is a description of the light itself. And so Moses, like John the Baptist, is pointing the way to the light. And so in the midst of pain, sadness, loss, when we sing this carol, Our adoration to the Lord Jesus doesn't come from the circumstances of our life. It comes from something far more foundational. It comes from the glory revealed to us in Jesus. It comes from the reality of what Jesus has brought and what he's accomplished for you and for me. Grace and truth has come. See, Jesus meets us in the darkness. He pierces it with light of light and gives us a new life out of the darkness. He calls us from the blankets under our guilt and shame of our failures by stepping into the world as the light of life. So, all ye faithful, 
Be assured of what Jesus has done for you and for me. Be assured that when we turn to Jesus in faith, he holds us with his right hand into eternity. This is grace upon grace. This is why we are joyful and triumphant. And finally, our fourth reason to adore him is because he has made God known to us. Let's have a look at verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And so, let me ask you this. Do you know God? Do you know what God is like? Many of around us, and perhaps some of you here, are searching for God. Some in the wrong places. Some even saying that he doesn't exist. But what is plainly said here in John's gospel is that Jesus has revealed God to us personally. He came to bring us into fellowship with God, into his family, so that we could be his children, so that we could worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, this is what the light reveals and guides us too. Though the darkened world rejected the word, he still chose to come into the world. He still came so that we could save the world from their just judgment, from rejecting him, the creator. He came so that we may know God and be known by God. And so we adore him. Because he is the very voice of God. Everything God has ever said, is ever going to say, and will ever say, all made manifest in Jesus, the word. So, let's give our adoration to our Lord Jesus, who came to those who rejected him, who made us believe in him, who gave us the right to be his children who lavished grace upon grace upon us, and the soul makes God known to us. This is the grace and truth of our God. And so let us behold the God of God, light of light, and adore Christ the Lord, for he deserves it. Would you join me as we pray? Our Father, We give you thanks and praise for your grace and your love. So much was your love that you sent your son into the world, that you gave us your son, the word himself, who took our sins onto the cross, who bore them for our sake so that we could be made your children through faith. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to hear your voice Help our unbelief so that we may see your greatness to worship and honor you. Help us to see you most clearly in the Lord Jesus so that we may adore you as our God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.